And another guest who is going to be on the stage as well this time uh, with Becky Quick is Steve Schwartzman. Uh, but he is here with us this morning. He is out with a new book uh, this morning. First day, first uh, interview, What It Takes, uh, Lessons in the Pursuit of Excellence. It details Steve's career from growing up in Philadelphia, where he worked in the family business, to building Blackstone into the world's largest private equity firm. And then... Um, really gets also into some of the philanthropy that he's been involved and, in. And finally years. being able to appear on Squawk Box, I think, was, you know, the ascent, the right, ascent the all the way to, to where you are uh, right now, really. I think it's a continuing story. Continuing. So this is, uh, by the way, this book is a bit of a, can I say a quasi-memoir, quasi-life lessons? Yes. It, how would you describe it? I, I think that's fair. You know, you, you have to be a person to get what you know. Uh, but the reason I wrote this is to pass on the knowledge that that has been a hard one uh, right. over many years. So here's the question. I'm going to repeat the question because we did an event together last night. And to me, what was so uh, remarkable actually about this book was uh, what drives you and what motivates you. And I, I, we're going to talk about China and all sorts of other things, uh, news, but I just want to sure. get at this, which is there seems to be these moments in this book where you are this remarkably vulnerable, dare I say even insecure in moments but yet you seem to have confidence the entire time, uh, even at some points overconfidence, depending on what is going on. And I'm trying to understand where you think that came from and how you sort of explain the, the, the two, the sort of insecurity on one end and the confidence on the other. Because well, I not, think some of the most successful people in the world have that, actually. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not particularly insecure, except when, when I'm in a situation I don't understand or things are happening that I don't know. Uh, or I'm in a place where I don't know a person. I mean, this is normal. Uh, where I'm really confident is when I've thought about something and I've figured out, you know, what a solution is. And, and then I'm willing to bring that to anyone uh, at any level in society. I've, I've always been like that because I'm just trying to be helpful. Uh, I'm not trying to do anything else. And if you think you're solving somebody else's problem, uh, and, and you're making a contribution, why wouldn't you just go up to them and, and, and do that as but expeditiously you do that, By the way, in the book, you're constantly doing that. You go up to the dean at Harvard Business School and you say this whole program is terrible and this is how to fix it. He didn't and, take it well. <laughs> you know, you get a job at DLJ and you, you, they offer you $10,000 and you say, no, I need $10,500. I mean, there seems to be this sort of always... Ask, you, you have no uh, problem with the, quote, ask or telling people what you really think. Well, if I, if I think that's the right thing. Uh, at, at Harvard Business School, I, I just thought it was off. Uh, you know, they, they, they had teachers that, you know, weren't really mature enough at that point. It's the middle of the Vietnam War, and business couldn't have been less popular. And, and there were four things wrong with the school, and I, I just went in and laid them out and, and said, here are like two or three solutions for each of them. Uh, and he just looked at me like I, I, I got in from Mars. Uh, and, you know, he didn't want to move. And as a, as a result, th those things led the school to go from number one in these surveys. Uh, it took 20 years. It got down to number seven. And, and you know, then they made a bunch of right. changes. And then it went right back up again. There was a rule at Yale. The, is the phrase parietal, is that the, is that yeah. the, is that the word? Parietals, yeah. So you could not, um, this was, there was only men at Yale <laughs> it was at only the time, men. right? I was the last all-male class. Right, but you were responsible for being the last all-male class, almost, it <laughs> seems like, because there was a rule that women were not allowed to sleep over in dorms, and you decided you were going to change, change that. Yeah, apparently uh, that had gone on for 278 years, 
and uh, I was dating a, a local girl, so I, I, I thought we needed a change. So, so if you just went to an administration in college and said you ought to get rid of this, uh, they would have given you reasons why that couldn't happen. And I figured they, they figured them out in 278 years. It was going to disturb other students. You know, there are going to be parties. There are going to be music. Uh, and so what I did is I, I just, you know, took all the objections uh, and I put them in like a survey. And, and I got 11 people to go to the level, 11 different uh, colleges where the dining halls were. And everybody who went in to eat took one of these surveys, came out, and we found out that 99.6% of the students didn't have any concerns. So I got a friend of mine who was deputy editor of the newspaper. He put it on the front page. Four days later, you know, those restrictions all went away. It, it did make me somewhat popular uh, at an all-male school. but. <laughs> Um, let me ask you another question, which is you have been defending for, for a very long time the reputation of the private equity industry. And you, there's a scene in the book where you happen to go visit with Angela Merkel. I think she be, this is before she was running the entire country. No, she was running she it. She was running the country. Yeah, she was chancellor. And she did what? Well, it was, it was, it was funny. There, there was a whole thing about private equity people being locusts. And, you know, it was probably 10 years, 15 years ago. And she had just taken a job. So she had asked me for a meeting. Uh, and uh, so I had a meeting with her and one other person uh, on her staff, who's now head of the central bank. Uh, and she said, uh, you know, I, I, I understand uh, you are locust. So I'm looking at her doing a locust. And so I said, I said, well, uh, I am good, good locust. <laughs> so so this, is, this is what started, uh, you know, sort of the conversation. Did it succeed? Yeah, because she's a physicist. Uh, and um, she didn't know anything at that point about finance, but she got stuck with the managing the financial crisis for Europe. Uh, and, right. and, and so you could explain things very rationally about how, how private equity tries to grow its companies faster. We hire more people. Uh, you know, we make more uh, profit uh, in terms of return, which goes to pension funds to help workers. Uh, and policemen. You could and, give this lesson over at the Times, I think. Maybe. Thank you. Uh, so, so, so what was interesting, uh, so she, she says to me, well, Mr. Schwarzman, if it's so good, why aren't all companies private equity companies? Mm -hmm. I said, that's a, that's a very good question. <laughs> I said, a lot of them are unsuited, uh, like mining companies and yeah. other companies with huge capital needs. So I, I've had a lot of fun. Okay. Can I just ask, you said the, the staff person in the room, was it Mario Draghi, the head of the central bank? No, no, he's no, Jan's... Uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah. Okay. I thought you meant the head of the central bank. No, no, in, in Germany. Okay, in, in Germany. Germany. Okay. We yeah. are going to press the pause button. When we come back, we're going to talk about private market valuations, by the way, given we were talking about WeWork and whether private market valuations are right. We're also going to talk about China, uh, Iran, and what's going on uh, geopolitically and where we are in the economy in just a little bit. So Steve's going to be sticking around.